praise, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. It is so good to have each of you here with us this morning. I want to take this opportunity to welcome you to High Point Church, especially our first-time guests. We especially give you, uh, just delighted to have you with us this morning. I want you to make yourself at home and, and worship with us today. I apologize for the shortfall in our attendance uh, this morning. Uh, we have several families away all at one time. And uh, <clears throat> that's the way it goes sometimes. Get a bunch of folks out at the same time. I invite your attention this morning to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. I, I'm just torn this morning. I was in hopes that uh, what I'm going to share with you from the Word this morning, everyone could hear that's part of High Point Church. But the Lord knew who was going to be here when He placed this on my heart, so we'll do with it what the Lord has given us to do. And let the chip fall as they say where they may. Can I really make a difference? I suppose is the question of the hour. I ask myself that question repeatedly, almost on a daily basis. As I am nearing the grand stage door of nearly 60 years of age, I'm still a youngster. But go like this. Amen. I ask myself, realizing that uh, based on the national average lifespan of the American white male, I have been to the top of the mountain for quite some time and have made a pretty good progress down the other side. But then I'm going to live to be 100 if the Lord tarries, so I've still got a ways to go. <clears throat> <laughs> but can I really make a difference? Am I making a difference in the lives of those who I'm around and influence? We're going to address that question today. Can I really make a difference? The wise man wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 3 through 10, said, What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun. One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers, he says, run into the sea Yet the sea is not full. Somebody needs to tell Al Gore that. Never mind. To, to the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is what will be. That which is done will be done. And there is nothing under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, who blessed your holy name today, we thank you for your presence, your power, and your glory that permeates this sanctuary today in each and every heart. As we approach this appointed time in the service this morning, the preaching of your word, our hearts have already been blessed by the adult Bible class today and the various other classes around the congregation. We've been blessed to have the opportunity to worship you in song and in praise. And I pray that you'll just help me today to be the vessel and the instrument for which, Lord, I might speak today as your mouthpiece and your instrument. Help me to be transparent before you that the voice that is heard will be from the throne room of heaven and will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it. And everyone said in Jesus' name, if you would look at your neighbor and say, ask them the question, can I really make a difference? You may be seated. For the most part, all my life, I have heard it said, one person, just one single individual can make a difference. The Scottish reformer John Knox put it this way, a man with God is always in the majority. Someone else has suggested, never doubt the impact one person can make. The question of the hour... Is that really true? Can one person be so significant that the world is altered in some way because of him and her? In hopes of answering this very probing question, I spent this last week, along with the years preceding that, considerable time in searching the corridors of church history and explored several of the back roads writ within the biblical record to find an answer to that question. And guess what I found? Individuals from all walks of life, monks, kings, landowners, peasants, who were committed to God made a difference in their lifetime and in their world. It was to say the least thrilling to see what God had done through the lives of individual people. And what's really exciting to me when I really ponder this is the thought and the idea that a few hearing this message today could in the next few years be engaged in some life-changing venture, some leadership role, some particular niche in life that affects the history of the world. And to make that fact more exciting, one of them could be you. Oh yes, amen. Based on the current climate in our society, can I really make a difference? Now if you're like me, you would like to believe that you can make a difference in the world. However, there's a small voice inside our head from time to time protesting, oh, come on now, be realistic. Look at how bad things really are. The river of history is too strong. One person can't possibly change the course of the world. Goes on inside of that cranial cavity of ours. Just a quick glance at the evening news 
seems to reinforce that message going on in our head. Our inner cities have become war zones. Our judicial system is a tangle of legal games. And our families are unraveling at the seams. It takes just one step into society's icy waters to feel sin's swift current. The idea of making a difference really sounds nice. But for those trying to keep from drowning, it's, is it really possible? Oh, yes. From the vortex of pressing problems swarming around us, oftentimes the task looks entirely too difficult to even try. When we look at all of what's going on in our world today, oftentimes we have to ask the question, is it too late? Can we make a difference at this juncture? Oftentimes, what we need to do is just kind of step back and get on high, dry ground, a place of perspective so that we can see that our struggles are not unique, but all have occurred down through the ages of time. As the wise man said, there's nothing new under the sun. What is happening today has happened before. And all of these issues have been squarely challenged by difference-making people. You see, it is here that we can draw hope and strength from some of those individuals who did the impossible, who changed the direction of the world. So what do you say we fasten our seatbelts and take a look at a couple? For just a moment, consider, let's, let's stop for just a moment and take a deep breath and consider the many individuals from the worlds of religion, from science, from art, from music and literature who have impacted our lives and our hearts. Let's call to mind for just a moment the inventors, the explorers, and the statesmen. Some of you here could be the next great inventor. The preachers and military strategists who have changed the course of history. And I must admit the list is pretty impressive. And this is just a small portion of what I'm going to illustrate here today. Martin Luther, for example, who sparked the Protestant Reformation. Then there's Leonardo da Vinci, who opened the age of the Renaissance. Then there's William Shakespeare, who was the playwright of the ages, so they say. John Bunyan, who has guided the progress of millions of pilgrims. Alexander Pope, whose intellectual investments still profit today's thinkers. Oh, we can't forget about Benjamin Franklin, who invented bifocals. God bless him, I love him. Where would I be today without them? I'd be like this looking over them smaller little glasses, you know, and I'd be taking them off every little bit and get aggravating you with taking my glasses off and on. Then there's Eli Whitney who gave us the cotton gin. Oh, don't we, we just cannot, when we look up to the ceiling and we see all of these nice things around us, we cannot forget about Thomas Edison who brought us out of darkness into the electric light. Individuals who would not allow the course of events to change them, but they made a difference in the world. Then there's Henry Ford. When we go out to that parking lot in a little while to get in our automobiles and leave, stop a minute and thank Henry Ford, who brought us the Model T and broadened the borders to the, to the butcher across town and then to our grandchildren who live across the country. Then there's the Beethovens, the Columbuses, the Lincolns. 
God spurs to the nations Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, and Charles Spurgeon. Churchill and Gandhi shaping the destiny of their countries and beyond. And discoveries of Curry and Einstein, Pasteur, and the generals Montgomery and Eisenhower, just to name a few. Where would we be today without these people who authored the stream of history? Their stories prove that one person can make a difference. Amen? Yet the voice inside our head just keeps retorting, but, oh, Pastor, you don't understand. These people were unusually talented. Really? You don't understand, Pastor. I'm no Einstein. No, probably not. I'm just an ordinary person. What can I do to make the world a better place? Well, the good news is that you don't have to be an Einstein. The Scriptures reveal to us that God uses ordinary individuals and very often uses them to individually, or uses them individually to do extraordinary things. Amen. Remember, you and God are a majority. So let's take a brief look. You see, many times God prefers to use only one person. For example, during the days of Ezekiel, corrupt religious political leaders were extorting money. Does that sound familiar? I'll, I'll try to behave. Profaning God's sacred things and destroying the lives in order to get dishonest gain. Jesus were alive today, he'd march into Capitol Hill and he'd take his whip. Never mind. Israel had become a nation of liars and oppressors and thieves who took advantage of the poor and oppressed the sojourners without justice. So what plan did the Almighty God have in mind for rescuing his people from sin's murky depths? Well, here's what the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. said, I sought, this is God speaking now, through the, through the mouth of Ezekiel, I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Now, please understand, God wasn't searching for a committee, nor was he searching for a group of legislators to spare Israel from this imminent destruction. All he needed was one person willing to stand for what was right. Do you realize what power and significance that one person has standing on the side of God? Do we really grasp that in our thoughts and our minds, how we can change the course and direction of this nation simply by standing on the authority of God's Word and kneeling in prayer and standing true to what the Word of God says? Only on very rare occasion does God intervene directly in, intervene directly in history, such as the time He confused the languages at the Tower of Babel. That was one incident where he divinely got involved personally with those issues. Then he rained down judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, instead, God's modus operandi is to use individuals. Amen. People like you and I. People like us to stem the tide of wickedness and chart new paths toward godliness. Can I really 
make a difference? So let's take a, just a, a brief look at these ordinary people that God used, people who stood in the gap and made a difference in their world. Israel's wickedness pales in comparison to the evil in the world during the days of Noah. According to Genesis, it said every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Because immorality was so pervasive, the Bible said that the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord decided to, flood, to, to bring a flood to the earth and destroy every living thing. But the Bible says in verse number 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Somebody was willing to stand up. And without his faithfulness to God and willingness to build an ark, oh, probably none of us would be here today. Amen? Then there was none of And we, after the flood, the population grew, the nations were formed, and God wanted the people to call his own to model of His mercy and a channel for His wondrous grace. And searching the world, He found just one man to father such a nation. And that was Abraham, the one through whom God said all the families of the earth would be blessed. Just an ordinary guy. Nothing special about Abraham. Abraham's grandson, Jacob, you remember he had 12 sons whose descendants would later head the twelve tribes of Israel. One son, Joseph. Oh, I like Joseph. He was, he was quite a fella. He was especially favored by his dad. And you know, you remember all the troubles and problems that caused him. And, and uh, I won't go into all of that. So his jealous brothers, they dumped him in a pit and sold him to slave traders. We got rid of that little old rascal. He won't be bugging us anymore. Oh, little did they know that Joseph would stand in the gap. Little did he, they know that Joseph would be their salvation in a time of desperation. So he wound up down in Egypt, and there he was falsely accused and thrown into a dungeon. He just things just kept getting worse. Not only did his brothers deceive him and throw him in a pit, now he's down there in Egypt. Things were looking better, and all at once now he finds himself in a dungeon falsely accused of something he did not do. But still, you know, and you know, he probably wondered from time to time, I wonder if there's really anything good come out of my life. I know what the Lord has shown me. I know what I dreamed, and but is anything, I mean, this is only com getting more complicated. All You ever been there? You think you're on the right road, but some days you go, whoo, I'm not sure. But Joseph... Suppose he probably wondered from time to time, what good could come out of my life? Still, he remained faithful to the Lord. And what happened was God elevated him from prison to the palace as the prime minister of Egypt. A position he would use to save his family from famine and keep the dream of God's people alive. Just an ordinary boy. Later, he had the opportunity to say to his brothers, face to face, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. 
one person can make a difference. As the years passed, as you recall, the subsequent pharaohs forgot Joseph and his favorable stance toward the Hebrews. And the new regimes ended up enslaving the people and beating them with the whips of oppression and hatred. And, but would God's plan for his people end there? Was that it? Did God bring them all that way for it to just poof, evaporate? Did God bring us all of this distance for it to just for no reason come to an end. Oh no. Would God's plan for His people end here in the mud pits of Goshen? No. God had selected a baby by the name of Moses whom Pharaoh's daughter, and you remember the story about how Pharaoh went after to kill all of the males two years old and younger from the Hebrews because they were afraid they're going to overpopulate and overrun Egypt. But Pharaoh's daughter drew him out of the Nile and brought him up as her own. Oh, I, I begged that one person can make a difference. Forty years he was a prince, then forced out of Egypt for another forty years. Did it all end out there on the backside of the desert in Midian? Oh, absolutely not. A humble shepherd he became, however, at the age of 80, God chose him to become the deliverer of the Hebrews. Can one person make a difference? Upon Moses' death, Joshua took over as the general to lead God's people, the Hebrews, into the, for the conquest of Canaan. God reassured Joshua that Moses' torch of divine strength was now his to carry. The Bible says in Joshua 1 and 5, No man, this is the Lord talking to Joshua, reassuring him, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now let's, let's go, Joshua, and get it done. I know that last phrase wasn't on there. When God uses individuals, He doesn't leave them alone to perform their difficult task. His, he's the strength in their arms and the voice in their lips. If God is in it, listen to me now, if God is in it, anything is possible. Can you say amen? Under Joshua's command, the promised land for the Hebrews became a reality. However, over time, oh yes, over time, a new enemy by the name of affluence invaded the people's hearts. And the nation became increasingly indifferent towards God's laws. And again, as you remember, Israel done evil in the sight of the Lord. What strategy would the Lord employ to recapture Israel's affections? You see, first He gave them into the hands of their enemies. Then when they came to their senses and repented, He raised up individual judges such as Deborah, Gideon, Jephthah, and Samson to deliver them. Amen. Samuel ministered as a judge and prophet during a unique period of transition in Israel's history when the 12 autonomous tribes unified under a central government. With one hand stretched toward heaven and the other stretched out to the people, Samuel stood in the gap between God and Israel, guiding the nation through this turbulent time. He was also the one to crown Israel's first king. Brother Saul. Y'all remember Saul? He ascended to the throne as the nation's first king, and then came David and his son Solomon after him. 
During each of their reigns, they were the principal difference makers in the land, sometimes impacting the nation for good, sometimes for bad. But overall, their reigns comprised the golden era, as they call it, of Israel's united burgeoning kingdom. It was years that lives in history. After Solomon died, animosity between the northern and southern tribes forced a civil war. As a result, ten tribes in the north seceded to form their own monarchy, initiating what has been called, as biblical scholars call, the divided kingdom period. Once more, God's plan for his people included enlisting individuals to confront the nations with his truth and model obedience in his words. In fact, the books in the Bible starting with Isaiah and ending with Malachi roll call most of those individuals' names that God used to bring Israel back to him. But you remember, despite God's warnings, both kingdoms fell to invaders. The Assyrians conquered the northern. I'm saying all this to point out there's nothing new going on in our society today. What's happening today has happened many times down through history. The Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom and the Babylonians crushed the southern. After a time in captivity, Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah led the Jews home to Jerusalem in three expeditions. These men had the vision and faith to rebuild the temple. Brother David taught about what I'm here not long ago in the adult class. The, cities, the city walls and most importantly the spirit of the people were restored because someone made a difference. During the 400-year gap, how many of you heard of a 400-year gap between the Testaments? It was 400 years. Man, that's a long time. There was not an anointed prophet stepped up to the scene and preached and said, this is the word from the Lord. Things continued as they were. This 400-year gap between the Old and New Testaments, no prophets appeared on the biblical horizon until one day, unannounced, John the baptizer comes storming in from out of the wilderness. Preaching a message among the religious elite. Y'all better get ready because there's one coming after me that's mightier than I. The laces of whose shoes I am not worthy to untie. He said, I baptize you unto repentance, but he that's coming after you, me is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. They had never seen anything like that in their lifetime. He was the most unusual, strangest looking guy you had ever had the opportunity to see. He dressed funny. He dressed in funny looking clothes. He probably didn't smell all that good either with that camel's hair around him. He came out of there preaching, I mean, with authority and power. In fact, Jesus asked him at one point to illustrate. He said, what would you go out there to see? 
You go out there and see a reed shaking in the wind. So evidently he must have, he, he probably got a little emotional and probably shook that walking stick out a little bit. I'm telling you, can one man, one person, one individual make a difference? He stormed in from the wilderness, raising dust clouds among the religious elite and preparing the way for Jesus Christ. And more than any other, the life of Jesus Christ epitomized the power of one person to change lives. Now, before I go on, oh, wait, wait, whoa, 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 wait. Now, listen to me now. We are the body of Christ. But go like this. We are the extension of Jesus Christ's ministry. It did not end with his ascension into heaven. It had just begun. Amen. In fact, he told his disciples, he said, the things that you see me do, greater things than these shall you do because I'm, I'm going away. I'm leaving you here to take care of business. Amen. So remember, more than any other, the life of Jesus Christ epitomizes the power one person can have to change lives. In fact, Philip Schaff describes eloquently the differences, the difference that Jesus has made in history. Follow this now. This Jesus of Nazareth, without money or and arms, conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, and Muhammad and Napoleon. Amen. Without science and learning, he shed more light on things human and divine than all other philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. And without writing a single line, he set more pens in motion and furnished themes for more sermons and orations, discussions, learned volumes, works of art, and songs of praise than the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times. And they're still writing about him today, over 2,000 years later. Brother David gets new songbooks on a regular basis from those who were set and aspired by Jesus Christ. Pin the words to another song. Can I really make a difference? I'm almost done. Jesus made scores of other others into difference makers. I don't want the legacy of my life to be anything less than I was first of all a good husband, a good father, a good provider. I loved my God and I helped others find their way to the foot of Calvary. And was able to teach others and to help others along life's journey to be the best that we can possibly be.
Jesus made scores of others into difference makers who then flowed into the world like ripples in a pond. Three of these earliest ones that I'll mention here in passing were Peter, the disciple who denied Jesus Christ but later became his chief spokesman. That ought to give us a little incentive, a little hope. Stephen, the first person in the Bible to be martyred for his faith. And then the beloved Apostle Paul, a former persecutor of Christians who became the early church's greatest champion of the gospel, who gave everything that he had to make a difference. So as the musicians make their way and we come to a close this morning, we've come, our tour through this secular and biblical history brings us full circle to my original question. Based on the precedent of the past, the answer to the question is an overwhelming and resounding yes, I can make a difference. Now, if you listen a lot to the evening news and you listen to what's going on among the political elites in our society, you're probably scratching your head going, But have you really contemplated what this small group of believers, individually and collectively, can accomplish if we have a humble and willing heart? Remember, you and God make a majority. One person can change the world. In fact, this is the way God works. And my friends, he's still searching for one man or woman whose heart is completely his. Would you stand? That individual whom he can use to achieve his purposes, you may never... Leave the inner sanctuary of your home to go out and become part of a huge evangelistic campaign. You may never don this pulpit, this sacred place, and preach from God's holy word. In fact, you may never have the opportunity to step inside of a classroom and teach youngsters and teenagers and young adults about Jesus Christ. You may never have the opportunity to be a greeter or an usher. But you and you alone, by stepping into the sanctuary of your prayer closet, can bring down mountains and stop armies. By you stepping into that inner sanctuary and saying, I can make a difference on my knees, can put the enemy to flight. You and God locked in a prayer closet make a majority.
And it's a place that can turn the world upside down. It's a place that can cause political leaders to tremble in their shoes because God hears and He answers the prayers of His people. And when we go to Him with a sincere heart and whose heart is completely His, and we say to Him, Lord, our society, our nation, is involved in corruption and sin. When you ask God to turn it around and pray for forgiveness, we'll be no different than Israel. He will step up. So I ask you, is your heart completely His? That is the most important question you can answer right here this morning. I've already answered the question, one person can really make a difference. Who knows? Who knows what new vistas God has in mind for our era, for our generation? If your heart is His, you can take part in His vision. With Jesus Christ, we here at High Point Church can make all the difference in the world. I believe that with every fiber of my being. So as we worship this morning, I ask you once again, you, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to ask, you and I can make a difference. Let's worship.